Hey there, hi there, ho there. You're as welcome as can be. Am I wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, scratch that. Flashback to a far distant time as a kid. Hey, this is the Model Railroad Hobbyist Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Gillette. Today we got a single deal with me and Nick Santo. Nick is Am's Nick on the MR8 forums, and we're gonna be talking about his motherboard, the Decoder Buddy. I've used it. You'll see it on my blogs where I put it into a new unit, unit using a 21PNEM economy decoder. This is great. Anyway, listen in and enjoy. Thank you. Hi, Paul. Nick, how you doing? Okay, so let's talk about Decoder Buddy. It started uh, when Atlas came out and had the QSI decoders. That's that, that was quite a few that was quite a few years ago. The uh the uh QSI decoders were very good with sound and very good with motor. And I had headlights and, and the headlights came on back and front all very fine. But uh Vermont Railway, which I model, uh was post nineteen ninety seven when they said everybody should have ditch lights so why didn't i have ditch lights so i started working on that and uh before that Catherine had out of the blue boxes i had a guy that was uh, putting together very very nice custom uh vermont railway uh gp38s and gp40s okay and he'd taken uh just a regular decoder and put a uh, light bulb lights in to them or um, little incandescent lights, and I wanted to do it with LEDs uh, uh, with the QSIs. So Josh Shedeker was QSI solution at that time, and uh, Tony Parisi was Tony's trains, and it was all in Essex Junction, Vermont. So we all put our shoulders together and tried to get QSI to work, and it didn't. So I left it for a bunch of years, and then Block Sound and Soundtracks both came out with decoders that could that could do this, uh, have multiple lighting functions. And at that point, it was a coin toss. I didn't really know whether I wanted block sound or, or soundtracks. And I just, it was almost, a, it was almost an impoint, impulse buy or flip of the coin. And I said, let's try lock sound. So we installed a lock sound in, uh, in a pair or actually a pair of lock sounds in a pair of uh, brand new Athern SD70As to mimic what Vermont Railway had done with their new paint schemes. They just had bought the aces from uh, Florida East Coast Railway. Nice locomotives. And the, the lock sound went into those pretty easily. And I liked lock sound. And so subsequently, I wanted to redo all my Vermont Railway locomotives, and there was there's about a dozen of them with uh, Loke Sound. So I tried the uh, I tried the decoder with the four tabs on either end, and uh, it it wouldn't fit where the QSIs were. The QSI decoders were much smaller. So I I cut one of one of my one of my um, one of my Loke Sound decoders up, and it so that it would fit in. And then of course when I ran it, it wouldn't run. And I, I took a deep breath and I said, oh my, I've got to send this 
modified decoder back to uh, Pennsylvania to see if I can get a new one back. And actually, Loc Sound was very, very good. Uh, Matt and Abby had sent me uh, or sent me back another another decoder, and they understood what I did with the uh, with, with the with the board on the uh, on 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 the uh, on their decoder. And that had a, a a small a small what was it a twenty two pin or a, a nineteen pin uh, smaller uh, actual decoder part. And I guess they saw that that I hadn't done anything to the uh, to the motherboard. So I, I just I didn't feel comfortable with that uh, and and doing that with a lot more locomotives. I started to think about how to modify it. There were boards that were available from uh, Loc Sound that uh, either were too wide, didn't fit, or uh, I found out afterwards that uh, it only gave four lighting functions, and I needed at least six. I wanted to do headlights on one side of, uh, headlights on both sides of the uh, locomotive independently. I wanted to do ditch lights on either side of the locomotive independently. And on the older, uh, on, on, the, on the long decoders, like they had um, six functions, so I could do uh, independent light boards. And, you know, it, it was easy to do, it was fun to do, so I did all that. And so I knew how, I, I had the locomotives already for that. I had the LEDs installed, but no way to, no way to, uh, no way to uh, get electricity to them. And in particular, with the, uh, with the, with the uh, 21 pin, in decoders that they were nice size and they fit where I needed. So I prototyped uh, half a dozen uh, different prototypes and through that I learned and learned and learned. Uh, Dr. Jeff Bunza posts on uh, Model Railroad Hobbyist Forum and has done articles for him. Uh, had recommended that I go uh, in his articles to uh, OSH in uh, Oregon to get circuit boards made. I'm going to digress for a second. When I was in high school, I tried to do the TAT4 uh, throttle that Model Railroad had proposed. And I did it with perf board and had some fairly good coaching on soldering and all. And I put it, put it together and it never worked. I've, I've done, I've played with electronics since then. I, I'm, I was educated as a chemist and spent half my half my working life in the chemistry lab and half my working life as a flight instructor. And so electronics has been a hobby for me. So when I, when I found out about this printed circuit board, I designed one that would fit in the slot where I needed for the QSI and the Atlas locomotives. And actually Tony Parisi in, at Tony's trains had, had subsequently sold to uh, Eric Fisk. Eric is a really good guy. He's really knowledgeable. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and said, hey, listen, why don't we change this and this and this? And we, we, we kind of tweaked it up into, into a board. And uh, I sent that off to the manufacturer and got a thousand of them made. And then kind of started wondering how I was going to move a thousand of them. And so we take a trip in the wintertime to get out of Vermont, get away from the shoveling. And uh, so I started showing them to people, uh, brought some back to Eric, and a number of people have come on board and really said that they liked them. 
and I was pleased with 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 the way it came out. I can I can get up I can get the motherboard into uh, into most most locomotives. Uh, Atlas, Athern, all the major major manufacturers, and certainly all the uh, manufacturers that have uh, had the QSI boards, and uh, it works. That uh, it goes in easily. It fits in a lot of locomotives, and it's kind of a missing part. If you look at uh, all the major manufacturers, they've all made their 21-pin decoders, but there isn't necessarily a way to mount them or get them put into uh, a locomotive. And this is this was the missing link for me, and it seems to be a missing link for a lot of a lot of people. Okay, so when you uh, on the design, because yours has, you know, it's almost like a mama board with a baby board, uh, which is a really great feature. What that does for the listeners, if you've got as most of them are, the lights are attached to the body. The speakers are attached to the body. So when you want to lift the body off to do anything to the frame, the motor, the pickups or anything, you've got a big bunch of wire snakes. Nick's design incorporates this baby board where all the light, speaker and so forth connections are made and you can detach it. Now your body is free of the body. How did, was that just a moment of serendipity or had you planned that? I mean, it's a great idea. Actually that, uh, I kind of looked at the, uh, at, at what the manufacturers had done. They, they, they had a 21 pin, uh, actually a 22 pin uh, header on the, on, on the, on the decoder part. And for any of the, for any of their uh, designs, they had a, a, a a 22 pin header also with one pin missing so that they, they fit in uh, uh, for a place to fit. And, and actually uh, I think what happened there was the uh, Athern and Atlas and Intermountain and all the manufacturers send uh, have their work done in China and the, and the Chinese like JSD connectors, the JSD connectors and, and, and the header Made it very easy to assemble a board. Um, so I, I looked at I, I looked at the header connector, and I, I don't I really don't like JSB connectors. They just are, are too restrictive for me. The the header connector was such a great idea that they had. I stole it and bring, brought it down onto the other side of the board. Made it into a uh, uh, took a ten pin connector, pulled one pin out so that you can't put it in the wrong way. If if you turn it around. Uh, it, it just won't work at all. You won't you won't have any power, you won't have any power. And if you put it in the right way, then uh, then it has a way to uh, way to get out uh, get out to the LEDs. So it was it was kind of uh, it was kind of a, an observation, and they had a good idea, and I just took it one step farther. The other the other nice thing about that is not only can can you lubricate your gears or, or uh, Work on, on the chassis, but if you want to take the uh, take the shell off off the locomotive and insert the LEDs, and I like LEDs with uh, the SMD LEDs with uh, the leads already soldered to them to uh, make to, to to fit into the each light, so that eventually uh, I can get flashing 
flashing ditch lights where they flash from one side to the other side. And uh, the manufacturers have done a nice job of saying, okay, if you toot your horn, you can blink the lights for a couple seconds. With all the lights in the shell, you can take the shell off, you can put your LEDs in it, you can weather your shell, you can keep it completely completely uh, separate from, from, from the chassis. And that, that was important to me too. In, in my earlier designs, I'd use uh, connectors that were similar to JST connectors. They were uh, four, seven, eight pin connectors that I'd, that I'd take out to either end of the uh, locomotives and hitch up the, uh, the LEDs that way. It, it was just important to me to be able to separate those two. Okay, well, it's excellent idea. And then there's a lot of just common sense, logic, if you will, on the way you've uh, arranged the motherboard, in my opinion, having, you know, installed them. Uh, one, the size is a little smaller than a number of alternative boards that are out there from other companies. I like the smaller size. I like the fact that you've included the Keep Alive, anybody's Keep Alive connection onto the motherboard. Uh, excellent time saver. Good, uh, good thought there. It's just a daggone logical, uh, easy to use product. You've done an excellent job. Now, do you have, uh, is your website up? The website is up. It's www.mixtrains, N-I-X-T-R-A-I-N-Z. I'll, I'll learn to spell eventually. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah, they are. It's excellent. Now, one of the things you and I talked about, because it was a concern of mine, and it had nothing to do with your board, but rather the design of the 21 PNEM type decoders. Uh, be they Tsunami 2, be they Economy. There's a, a sizable amount of height that has to be contended with when you plug this decoder into anybody's motherboard, yours or TCS, whomever, because the boards go in at a slight angle, which, and I'm talking about the, the decoder itself, goes in at a slight angle which yeah it kind of causes the rear end of the of the decoder to uh elevate further eating into the to the room above the decoder to the underside of the fans or wherever you're going to put it so mm -hmm. nick and i talked about what if we had a harness there that we could run from nick's board over to an area, say the cab. Uh, I was working on some uh, P2K SD9s and there's no real cab in them, so I had a lot of room. And so that prompted a discussion with JT at Scaled Sound Systems. And I did come up with both male and female 21 pin compliant boards. So what we talked about, Nick, creating a harness for the six light functions, the track power, the speakers, 
uh, and all those other things is easy to do. And we save that, that space. So I'm excited about that. Once I get this move to Texas out of my hair, then I'm going to be using some Warrior boards and probably going back in and retrofitting some diesels where I I just knew I didn't have the vertical clearance needed. I'll make up a couple harnesses and should work like a charm. I'm not a big fan of, or not a big, yeah, fan, let me say that. I just don't appreciate all the cabs we put in these decals because you can't see anything anyway. Uh, and that ends up giving you a lot of vertical clearance in there to mount a 21 PNEM. So excited about that. Uh, now, have you, and I'm not saying you need to, I'm just asking, is there, are you looking at further refinements of the design? Just curious, in a general way, everybody's always trying to improve. I, cer I certainly I certainly would consider um, uh, modifications and I, I it wouldn't surprise me if, if the manufacturers uh, who, who the NMRA and the NEM have made the specifications for the uh, for the 21 pin decoder mm -hmm. and I could see where if uh, they wanted a few more outputs, uh, lighting outputs and lighting seems to be a little bit more on the on the front burner lately uh, for the manufacturers that they steal some of the some of the pin positions uh, on the 21 on the 21 pin side so it may well be that I'll have to draw some more uh, draw some more lines up to the to the 10 pin uh, 10 pin connector board for more lighting functions uh, one thing I was one thing I was going to uh, or that occurred to me to mention is that the version five of the Loke sound board, um, certainly it, it, the 21 pin connector or that format, um, even though the NMRA said it, you know, it, it had a limited life and, and, and it, it probably does well have a, a limited life, but I think that Loke sound found, uh, found a further, uh, a, a further way to, uh, design a board that would fit into a lot of uh, older uh, manufacturers' uh, locomotives, and I think uh, probably Soundtracks is going to be wise and see that that format to retrofit um, a new decoder design on, onto the old decoder uh, format or you know 21 pin header would. Be be uh, a good way to uh, to market uh, a new part uh, a new product that they wanted to put out. Okay, well, and you mentioned soundtracks, and going back to uh, a moment or two ago, your comment about possibility of adding uh, more connections for additional lighting. Uh, you know, I'm doing ground lights on everything. New stuff I'm putting in ditch lights, just the way you're doing. And I see uh, George at Soundtracks has installed step light and uh, stuff in a couple of diesels. And I'm thinking, okay, he just threw down the gauntlet, so I gotta find that. And you and I talked about uh, some of the sources for step lights. 
and uh, those samples you uh, provided uh, were excellent. Well, that would make it very easy to add a couple step lights. Uh, if you're, you know, obsessive compulsive as I am, so I would enjoy doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, uh, George's uh, courtesy lights around that, uh, around that locomotive that he just showed uh, are, are, are really tempting too. That'd be very easy to do, I think, um, on, uh, on, on, on all the, all the Jeeps. Uh, and, and, I'm just not that familiar with GE because Vermont Railway doesn't use uh, the General Electric locomotives, but uh, I'm sure they have uh, courtesy lights and lights on, on them also. And even steam. I've seen photos, especially in the latter parts, say transition areas, uh, where steam had courtesy safety lights around running boards and so forth like that. Oh, there's just all kinds of ways to spend time and money on uh, HO scale locomotives. Probably, probably one of the things that has kept me from fully embracing in scale, like even going to this new home, because I could do a lot more railroading than in scale. You know, we have manufacturers now that are doing separate grab irons for diesels. I see microscale trains on their uh, SW1500s have grab irons. BLI on their E's have separate grab irons and then scale trains of course has just detail at the the wazoo but i'm going okay how small of an led would you need to uh put somewhere as a uh, ground light on a on an in scale i mean 0402s can be maddening trying to handle either solder your own leads or manage the uh the magnet wire. I can't imagine anything smaller than that. Golly, that would that would be a challenge. That'd drive a lot of people to drink. That that reminds me. Uh, I I sent a letter to. Uh, I I I buy mine with uh, silicone leads. They're a little bit different than yours from a guy in China. And I sent him an email and uh, I said, when when are you going to start soldering uh, wires onto? Uh, 0201s, and he said, that's okay, you can buy the 402s. <laughs> he, he avoided the situation. Yeah, yeah, an 0201. That's, that is, <laughs> oh gosh, that is, that would be small if somebody were to make this. But you know what you could do, uh, conceivably, no. with small enough diameter fiber optic lenses fiber optic cable clear you could have a light box and then run the fiber optic to you know under the cab for a downlight uh for ditch lights or for anything else uh sure yeah because you could then power that that light box with a 0402 0603 whatever and just feed from the other side with the uh fiber optics uh Okay, that just gives me an idea. Every time I look at your videos, and uh, Nick has a YouTube channel, he is one of these obnoxious guys who has a 20 by 40 basement. And we, and we unfortunate human beings that live in the south where the, the water table is, you know, so high or 
like where we're moving to Texas, uh, basement is a foreign language. And then I see his videos of this 20 by 40. And I go, good grief, what would I do with all that space? Uh, I like the, you've got a, along the one wall, you've got a peninsula that comes out. And you show your uh, Vermont Railway locomotives with a, a cut, slowly making that curve and then coming towards the camera. Very, very convincing, very prototypical. I've uh, done a nice job with that. Thank you. All right. Now, is there anything else you want to talk about on the decoder, buddy? No, I'm happy. I, I, the only other thing I could say is that I think people uh, that have bumped into it are, have been very happy with it. And uh, Joe Fugate is going to uh, allow that I be in electrical impulses in uh, April issue okay. uh, to show it up. So I was very pleased about that, too. Okay, something to look forward to then. All right, now, Nick and his uh, wife, Sue, spend a lot of time in his RV driving around at least Midwest, eastern part of this country, because he's a Vermont boy, and they spend a lot of time driving to different parts of the country, visiting railroad clubs. That's accurate, right? That's right. Okay. And larger home layout? That's right. And smaller ones, too. Okay. Now, how did this... I, it sounds fantastic to me, but how did this evolve as a uh, major major part of your life? That's amazing. Well, thank you. I, I uh, Sue, Sue and I look at each other, and every once in a while I'll have to say, you know, I'm crazy. I connect dots that just shouldn't be connected. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she. <laughs> so uh, what what it started out was uh, if if you read Model Railroad, obviously in the uh, in on, on the forum, uh, there's Rob in Texas who does uh, the club blog, and he kind of he kind of put the first dot on the on the page. He's he's very. Uh, very welcoming, very, uh, he's, he's a very nice guy. He, he and Marcy, his wife, uh, and, and Sue and I have been, been out, uh, you know, to supper every time we've gone there. And, and it's, he's just wonderful. And he, he's been good for the club and commerce also. Um, he kind of, he kind of started, started the uh, ball rolling. We've been on a couple trips out across the United States and got as far as Yuma, Arizona one year. And, uh, we got out to Las Cruces, New Mexico, and said, wait a minute, I've seen this road before. I want to do something different. So we took a right-hand turn and went up through Albuquerque and came back a different way. And that was, that was getting a little bit, that was getting a little bit, you know, we've, we've, we've done this running around. We kind of know what this part of the country is all about. Let's, let's, let's do something else. So I, 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 I dropped Rob an email and uh, he, you know, he, he, gave me a very warm invitation to stop and see him at commerce. And that kind of, that kind of started the ball rolling. And at that point I, I put out a, a, a post on, on, on the forum and, and asked people if they were interested in having somebody who didn't like snow in uh, to visit the railroads. And Jim Moe, who's an engineer for uh, Union 
in Pacific, in Orange, uh, Texas, uh, shot one, shot a, shot a, an email right back and said, well, hey, listen, come on down. And uh, we met some wonderful people on, uh, on, on a short term. Jim knew a lot of people with big railroads and small railroads. And uh, we went to Stafford, Texas also to set up a club layout that comes out of Orange, uh, the Southeast Texas Model Railroad Club. Um, sets up uh, uh, an HO layout in Stafford, Texas. It's a show uh, uh, and a swap meet. Um, and uh, so I helped them tear that down where it was and put it up in Texas and tear it down and bring it back to uh, back to Orange. That was a lot of fun. Um, the first year, and, and, and that, that, that kind of set the stage for, for this year. This year it expanded a little bit. Actually, the first year, Steve Barkley down in uh, Beaumont, Texas, has a has a, has a, a medium-sized layout that was uh, that appeared in Model Railroader, and uh, it was all signaled, and it was because of the signaling in that model on, on that on that railroad, the Northern Pacific is what he did, and he it it was transition area with uh, with just wonderful signaling, and uh, so we got to meet Steve and see that layout. And uh, actually, this year we went back to uh, to operate uh, on a, on a session with him too. And that operating sessions on away layouts is 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 a major challenge. I don't get much time to operate on mine. I haven't had a I've been headed for an operating session on my railroad, but to to go out and 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 operate on somebody else's it's 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 like going to a new city and trying to figure out where the where where the uh where the streets are at the same time you're driving the motorhome it's it you have to be busy and uh so so that that was a nice layout we saw mickey taylor's uh layout there and uh the um and then and then hit, uh jim had recommended that we stop at a club layout in lake charles lake charles has a children's club and uh they a, a lot a, a children's museum and uh the club there put together a layout with with push buttons so that the the kids could uh start the uh start a train and it goes around and uh buttons for horns and uh whistles and uh buttons to make a sawmill work and and run and uh they get to have a very nice club layout there and there are about 20 or 30 people in that in that club and uh, it all runs JMRI. They, they do operating sessions on Saturday, and they work on it on Tuesday. And that was an awful lot of fun, too. That, it, it's, it's strange. We have a club in Burlington, and I'm such a lone wolf. And when I'm, when, when I'm at home, I'm so focused at home. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to go, uh, go to the club in town. But uh, here I am, 1,500 miles away, enjoying clubs all over, over, all over, uh, all over Texas and Louisiana. So uh, that, that that was that was neat. We also went up through between Beaumont and Green uh, Greenville, or Commerce at at, at the very uh, uh, to be correct. Uh, and in between is Tyler, Texas, and there's a nice Texas State Park there, and we feel very comfortable there. So we met um, Sean Murphy, who has uh, who has a nice HO layout. We ran and took pictures of that 
that, that was all very interesting. But what he had in his cellar was a seven and a half inch gauge steam locomotive. Wow. And that kind of caught my eye. That was interesting. Real steam. I just, you know, you, you put coal in and the whole nine yards. He called that live steam. And so it was interesting. I looked at it and it just kind of bounced off the side of my head, but it left a dent there. I've got to think about that again. Yeah. So he took us out, and at that time, uh, Greg Thomason had a very tiny layout. Uh, I, I think it's, I think it's ten feet long as it stands, and then there's probably another eight foot section on the end of that that he uses as a, as a staging track, and it ha- has some very nice buildings. It has some switching, and he and I did a he and I did a, a just a super operating session on that. Uh, that's that's comfortable for me. That's that's like learning the new street in the city. With with him as as the conductor and me as the engineer, we we switched some cars and had had a great evening together. Um, he's also into live steam. So this year, when I got back to back to uh, Tyler, um, Shane uh, said, "Well, what are you doing today?" Well, it actually, kind of took care of, took care of me. Was was we had we had a great time. He said, what are you doing today? And we went down to uh, Windy Ridge in Nacogdoches. I hope I've said that right. Yes, I think you Texas. did. And thank you. It was seven and a half inch. So I, I you know, got to ride on the locomotive. And, and it, had a, it had a controller a lot like, uh, a lot like my NEC that was at home. It just, it, it was an awful lot of fun. I, it, I, I rode an NW2. It was it was just amazing. There are pictures. There are pictures of that on the forum. Um, okay. I, I try to. I try, I try to take pictures of all this, and it make sure I get the name of it right. My papers moved around here. Oh me! I'm, what I call it is traveling around the USA, looking at and running, and taking some model uh, model railroad pictures in 2019. I did the similar thing in 2018, and. Uh, I guess looking at and running and taking some uh, taking some pictures got stretched that day because I got to run on instead of look at. Oh yeah, big difference. Yeah. Now, when yeah. you've been here, because I know that you stopped at the uh, the guys railroad up in Covington, which is on the other side of Lake Pontchartrain. Uh, have uh, you yep. ever been by Art Houston's uh, Grande Pacific? He's up in Baton Rouge. Uh, Mike Walsdorf and Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy put a a comment out of Walter uh, that Walter Rieger's rat hole of the of the Southern. Yeah, the old Southern Railway. Yeah, uh, on the rat hole, and uh, he's doing a, a fantastic job. And and what Matt what Matt's pitch was was um, anybody want to come to see it? It's it's wonderful. And boy, that's that's an understatement by a factor of ten. If not a hundred, so uh, Matt got me into uh, Covington, and also introduced me to Mike Wallstorf. So Mike Wallstorf and Matt and two other guys, uh, Johnny and Sam, and I went down to Arthur's and and ran uh, on his railroad. And that's okay. that's that's a that's a that's a very nice railroad too. Um, Three three decks and uh, with helix and and 
and all JMRI controlled and all signaled and uh, just a, just a wonderful host. It just if you're coming, tell me you're tell tell me you're coming and we'll feed you. And uh, it was it was a fun it was, it was a very fun afternoon. Just a just a and a very nicely done railroad too. Okay, well good. So you've been through Texas. I know you. We had a conversation the other day, and you're thinking about going out to uh, Phoenix area next year. There's a lot of yeah. model railroading available in the Phoenix metro area between clubs and even some large uh, home railroads out there. Uh, should be able to fill a number of days when you get out there. And plus, you know, Phoenix is in a beautiful part of the, the desert. And uh, I really enjoyed the, the 10 years we lived out there. So I think you'll enjoy that trip. You'll see a lot of diversity. I'm looking forward to Phoenix. We uh, I had to fly out there uh, to pick up an airplane, and we spent a day there. That was I had nothing to do with model railroads. I didn't even think about trains when I was out there. But uh, it's a it's a gorgeous part of the world. We're very much looking forward to going out there again. And also, I hear uh, or you and I've talked about you moving up into uh, into the Dallas area, and I'm looking forward in, to getting. Uh, a little bit more steeped in Texas and visiting with you again for sure. And uh, also, I know there's I know there's more depth there in in, in uh, north of north of Dallas that uh, I wanted to dig into also. Yes, uh, gentleman on the the forums named Chris had sent me an email about because I'd mentioned this before in one of the podcasts, and he listed some of the clubs that are in the. Uh, Dallas area so yeah we're moving into Plano and Plano the guy that does all the S-metal parts is there I've used his running boards and different parts over the years a lot and of course you got Dallas Model Works and uh, got to find a hobby store uh, just start life again so looking forward to another I think at the end of this month, end of March, we'll be there. So, after the pain and suffering caused by unpacking and finding where your model railroad stuff is, then I'll start reconstructing a railroad there. So, didn't have any success of trying to get Pam to agree to expand the garage to where it could incorporate. Uh, a good size model railroad in addition to cars, but so far she hadn't bought into that logic. <laughs> I to have to work <laughs> on my argument there. There you go. Yeah, see, well, maybe 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 a second story if it's a two car garage that gives a lot of space. Well, yes, it would. Uh, but the way this this house, just like in New Orleans, most of the garages enter from the alley the alleys are like a small paved street and so behind the garage you know you've got two and a half cars or whatever on the inside because they're oversized but you could park six cars in your driveway before you get close to the street you know and i'm going hey what if we just bring this extend it move you know extend the roof the walls out another 
30 feet. Put the garage door up there. Her car and my car can be in it, and all that space in front of it, you know, which is mainly where the garage is now, the way the cars are, could be a train layout. I think it just makes so much sense as to, you know, just dare someone to argue against it. But like I said, she hasn't bought into it yet. So <laughs> keep working on that. I'm sure. There other, you go. There yeah, I'm sure other guys out there have run into roadblocks like that. So we'll see. Um, we, we, we built a house. And, and uh, of course, in Vermont, it, it gets chilly in the winter. And I had a nice two-car garage. And it was story and three quarters, and and it would have, you know, the knee wall was the knee wall wasn't that bad, and I had that all set up in my mind for model railroad. But what I didn't take into account was uh, that it was going to be cold there in the winter, and uh, you know I hadn't insulated it, so I, I was looking toward a whole insulation plus putting uh, plus putting ceiling and 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 wallboard up on and and also that. Uh, that never got done. We left that house. Well, and North Dallas in the the Arctic zone, like Vermont is, uh, but it does get cold there. But you can insulate, and you can put in either infrared or some other kind of space heater, and efficiently do that. Or you just back your cars out and warm them up and pull them back in, and the radiant heat off the motor will. Or warm it. <laughs> I'd sure. already thought that part through. That didn't stop me. <laughs> I know that, uh, you know, because when we were in Arizona, I had an outdoor HO scale railroad and built it just as if it were indoors. It was on modules. Uh, track height was about 50 inches. The parts that I had scenic, and I had about half of it scenic, the rain. And the heat has no impact on it because I had hidden storage, so the cars were out of the sun, just 112, 150 degrees. It self doesn't wow. hurt that stuff. You have to keep the sun off the track because of the radiant heat buildup will cause it to warp just like a real railroad. And of course, you don't want your locomotives and your control systems, DCC and stuff out in that kind of temperature because it does rain in the desert but once the temperature would drop below 105 uh, usually in the afternoon because I built it on the uh, east side of the house so it went into shade early heck I would go out there and just you know carry out my controls plug them in hook it up bring out a locomotive or two and the DCC just didn't care Never had a that's superb. Never had a problem. Now, saying that ESU can tolerate more heat than the original tsunamis, so that I gravitated towards ESU after some conversations with Matt Herman over at Loke Sound about that. Never had a problem. Uh, so I'm presuming that. Long as it's above freezing, because I don't want to be out there if it's below freezing, that the locomotives and stuff wouldn't care about it being cool. So we'll see. I'll keep working on it, a garage expansion, and we'll see what happens. Well, good luck on that. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep you guys advised on 
how this goes may become like Trump's border wall, you know, maybe that kind of <laughs> epic debate. <laughs> yeah. And a funding, uh, a funding request that gets solemn. So what else is going on now? Nick, you got, where's your next trip? Or are you guys back up in Vermont waiting for the uh, snow to melt? Well, we're in, we're in Atlanta today. Okay. And, uh, Going to take a slow trip up through. Uh, we stop in Hickory, North Carolina, and there's a little bit of model railroading going on in that area. Okay. Um, I'd like to stop and uh, and and you know as many times as I can up up in uh, Pennsylvania. It'd be interesting to stop in and see Matt. I send him one of my boards. I don't know uh, whether he's gotten it yet or not for sure. And. Uh, there are some uh, some people in in, uh, in in New Jersey and Pennsylvania that Greg Wiggins has done uh, the uh, a nice recommendation, a nice uh, rendition of the uh, Rutland Railroad. He's 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 a real artist, and I'd like to stop and say hi to him, and you know, just kind of meander slowly up toward, and maybe by the time we get to Vermont, the snow will be melted. <laughs> uh, yeah, it. Uh... This has been an exceptional winter. So now, do you tow your little car with you on all your trips, so you can run around? Uh, we do. Okay. Uh, I don't know whether we're. I don't know whether we're going to have it on, on a dolly again next year or not. It was much better to flat tow, but uh, I just uh, didn't didn't want to flat tow uh, the new car. Okay. Well, I can understand that. Now, and this begs a question because my wife asked me, she said, what does Sue do when Nick is out, you know, socializing with the railroad guys? Sue is wonderful. Uh, she, uh, at, well, certainly she came with me to see you and, you and, you and Pam, and that, that was a wonderful time. And she enjoys people, um, not necessarily the technical part of the railroad, but talking with the people uh, there, um, and she's also a, 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 an avid reader, so uh, okay. I can sneak it off every once in a while and, and not being noticed. All right. Okay, good. Well, then it works out for both of you guys. Yeah, we both enjoy traveling, and we both enjoy people very much, and uh, when when they there's an opportunity to be with people. Um, she's right there, and uh, I think you know the the more the more we go, the more she enjoys and and understands and enjoys what what she's seeing at the model railroads. Um, I'm I'm not sure she's up for operating sessions yet, but <laughs> certainly the scenery and the way <laughs> and the way people put things together and and the way they build them and and the construction and 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 the smoothing the plaster. And putting the putting the uh, putting the uh, static grass on and, and and whatnot. She she uh, she's getting into that. She she likes the idea of that. That's amazing. Right before we moved from Arizona to to New Orleans, Pam said, "Buy me a building kit that I can put together." She said, "I want to." Ooh. Uh, so went to the store. Uh, you know, fair with trains and picked up a uh, one of the first merchants rose that Walters had 
put out. And so I brought it home and we had this thing spread out. And I said, now, notice that the box is a lot more colorful, the illustration of this, than what you're looking at with all these, you know, the pieces on the sprues. I said, so we have to decide what we're going to paint, what colors we're going to paint this, and then mask them, which I'll show you. And then we'll airbrush it, and then we'll come in and do the secondary trim color and all this stuff. And I happened to look over, and her eyes had just glazed over to say, nope. <laughs> so I ended up building that kit, and she's not pressed the point since. So I'm guessing I'm on my own. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. I don't get involved in organ transplants, so we're even... There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is gonna. This has been a good conversation. Uh, Thank I'm you. Glad we were able to get you know some further awareness for the Decoder Buddies. Well, uh, I've, I've been given. You know, I've been given up on. I've been given up on the cable yet. I've. I've. I, that's been rolling around in the back of my head. You, you put a. You put a challenge on the table. Okay. Well, like I say. Uh, JT sent me two links for a male and a female, you know, for the 21 pin boards. Now, not sure. all, they're like the, uh, Tsunami 2 versions. They're, you know, not all 21 pins are populated, but it's okay. It'll be enough. As I sure. look down the literature, I went, well, this is going to cover all the lights, speakers, and all of this. So, yeah, that's going to be one of my first uh projects is getting some of your boards going into a couple of these hood units where i'm concerned about vertical clearance with a 21 pin and just mm -hmm. make some harnesses and see what happens yep i uh like i said i've got i've, I've got some ideas on that you know um the, the the other thing i was thinking of is they've got computers actually uh we dropped a we dropped an iPad and they and, and they have they have wires that would that that would do it they uh, the the ribbon wire work yeah you've got a whole, yeah uh, you got a, a a ribbon wire off my board directly into uh, directly into the uh, in, into a plug that looks like that that looks like uh, the one that's uh, mounted on the board and uh, that that might be that might be an answer that uh, if you happen to um sometime get the measurement be, uh, that you're going to need from the board to the uh the to the area where you need the 21 pin decoder connected mm -hmm. um uh just just drop me an email on that um and i've, I've started to roam around uh looking for the right the right 20 uh actually it's a 22 pin connector for that and uh i i've, I've I, I know where to go and I know what I'm looking for. It's just a matter of putting my finger on one that, <laughs> that they make. Um, that, that, that's, that, that could work out very easily. Okay. Yeah, and I like that uh, ribbon, uh, you know, cable. That to me makes a lot more yeah. sense than having yeah. Yeah, eight or nine loose wires that you got to bundle up with dental floss or something. I like the ribbon cable sure. concept. Yep. And, and it, it, you know, you'd, you'd have to have, you'd have to have it thick enough to, uh, 
take the power in and put it out. But I, I don't think that I don't think that'd be a problem, even Not if you had to double stuff. Yeah, and and if you had to double the thick of, the thickness of it, uh, ribbon cable, you could just take a, a little bit of uh, whatever glue would work and 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 glue two flat two flats of it together to get the the twenty two uh, or the twenty one or twenty whatever uh, number of uh, connect connecting wires you needed there. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've thought about that quite a little bit. Okay. And I, I did, you said, uh, Chris, I, uh, I, I did talk with Chris and uh, he's a nice guy. He's doing some nice stuff. I've got, uh, when I get home and get settled in a little bit, I'm going to get some speakers from him for sure. Oh, JT? JT, sorry, yeah. Yeah, JT. Yes, I've already given him a an order and just said, hold on to it till I get in Texas and I'll have you ship it there. So, yes, sure. his, uh, his speakers are very well designed and very high performance. A lot of fidelity, a lot of clarity in the sound, especially on a, yep. you know, the tsunami where you can tweak uh, the sound file in the decoder with the graphic equalizer to really advantage the uh, speaker's capabilities. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's yeah. done a good job. That's great. We'll use them. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you what, I've got to go cook dinner, so I'm going to have to cut you free. Very fine good talking with you paul stay in touch and when when are you actually making that move but i did well, have, pack, i packed all my railroad stuff myself oh i'll bet yeah for yeah, sure have to do that. you want it done right and padded right and stuff so yep. yeah i'm sitting in a room with about 50 boxes plus in all the axion boxes and a-line boxes so all right. Well, Nick, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for asking. I really appreciate you doing it with me.